We'll be starting the book of Obadiah next week. All right, so we'll be in the Old Testament. And I don't know how long we're going to be in the Old Testament, but uh, the Lord's kind of showed me several books there um, that I've been personally reading through, and I believe that it's applicable to uh, the day and age we're living in. So we're going to delve into that. But uh, for now, today, um, we're going to be in the book of uh, Isaiah. I'm doing a little topical. Um, again, I believe I was led by the Lord in, in, in having a burden to share this. So we'll be in Isaiah chapter 55. Um, we'll be going through verses 6 down through 9. And this message is entitled, While He May Be Found. So when you uh, get a chance and you get to your, your Bibles, whether you've got an old school paperback or you've got your phone, just go ahead and uh, find Isaiah chapter 55. And once again, we'll be in verses 6 through 9. Uh, when you get there, if you're able to, please stand for the reading of God's Word. I'll go ahead and read our foundational text this morning, and we'll go ahead and get into the message. Alright, Isaiah chapter 55, verses 6 through 9, and it says, Seek the Lord while He may be found. Call upon Him while He is near. Let the wicked forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, that he may have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts, than your thoughts. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, we, we just pray that you would help us to, to take serious this call. Lord, as, as you, you call all people, your desire is that none perish, but all come to repentance and receive Jesus Christ as their Savior and their Lord. You are crystal clear about this from way back when to present day right now, that you say, seek you while you may be found. Father, you are a rewarder of anyone who diligently seeks after you. So Father, I just pray that you would impress that upon our hearts this morning, that above everything else, above all the other circumstances of life. This would be our sole main focus. This would be what we live for, is to seek your faith, is to seek you, to have, again, fellowship with you. Lord, that's what peace is. Everyone's in need of peace. We search all these different avenues, and it's so difficult to find peace. It's so fleeting, because many times we're not searching the right avenues. Father, we need you today. I need you to illuminate my spirit. I need your anointing upon me so that the words that come out of my mouth are not of me, but they're of you. So I pray that you would empty me of myself, that you would burn away any thought that would not be uh, in line with the Holy Spirit. And I pray for your people, that they would receive your word in such a way that it would change and transform them, that they would leave this building different, that they wouldn't leave with the same baggage, 
that they would leave whatever they came in here with as a burden at your feet, that they would leave it at the cross and allow you to do the work that only you can do in their lives. So, Father, we thank you. We praise you for the victory. We praise you for what you're going to do. We anticipate a mighty work of your hands. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Maybe two. Uh, you know, as I was just kind of in um, my study uh, this week, um, I couldn't get past First Timothy chapter six. A couple verses there where, where where Paul's encouraging Timothy, and he's he's telling Timothy that you need to train. That Timothy, you need to train yourself in the things of God. Many of you are familiar with this passage where, you know, uh, bodily training is worth some benefit, right? Uh, we're, uh, the world is big on that right now. <laughs> get slim, get healthy. <laughs> no wheat, no gluten. And, and I get it if you can't have those things. What I'm saying is there's such an obsession about our physical bodies and being healthy. And I get it. They're rightfully so. But there needs to be a balance. But what the scripture says is more important than, than bodily training and bodily health is spiritual health. And, and I couldn't get that out of my mind. Uh, talk about training yourself. Train yourself. So church, we are to train ourselves up in the ways of the Lord. And how do we do that? And we do that by spending time with the Lord. We, we, we do this by spending time in God's Word, being intentional about the time that we spend in God's Word. And I'm not saying this in, at all in a legalistic kind of way, because it's not about how much time you spend with the Lord, but it's, this is the ticket. The, 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 the different side of the same coin with that is when, you, when the Lord really gets a hold of your heart, you want to spend time. You want to learn things about the Lord. You want to learn deeper things about God. You want to mature spiritually. You don't want to just stay at the same place you were when you first got saved and you first got delivered from whatever you got delivered from. You want to grow. And so this is this is what I've come to understand is that this training is a good thing. It's not a bad thing. It's not like when you're a child and, you're, and your parents say, clean your room, uh, fold your laundry, uh, maybe they don't, they don't do that nowadays, but iron your clothes. My parents used to have me iron my clothes. I had to iron my clothes. Get them ironed. Get them cleaned up. That, that, that's training, you know, as far as growing up, you know, in society. But in the same way, seriously, you and I must learn to take a liking to training ourselves up, amen? Because this is how we're going to stand firm in the test that will come to us if we train ourselves up in the ways of the Lord. The Bible is full of warnings, and you could kind of sum up life like this. It boils down to life is a bunch of yeses and noes. Some people don't like that. But when you really think about it, that's what life consists of. What to do. <laughs> what not to do. Say yes to this. Say no to that. <laughs> go the right way. Don't go the wrong way. Even when we look at how... Uh, you know the 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 layout of the maps off of the road. There's a reason why it says one way only. <laughs> Do not enter. There's a reason why we have a green light, a yellow light, and a and a red light. And 
the same can be said about the Word of God. The written Word of God encourages us to turn from our natural inclinations, which because of the fall of Adam and Eve is sin. Uh, basically a selfish mindset, a selfish nature, contrary to God's Holy Spirit, so we can actually call it evil in some senses, our, our, our natural inclination to do things, to turn from what is natural and sensual and return to our Redeemer and Creator, Jesus Christ. I love the language of the Word of God. How the Word can convey messages through word pictures, right? If you're into this sort of thing, you kind of nerd out on it. Think about it. We as humans are more like sheep than we would want to admit. You know, it's just true. You know, especially in, in, in today's culture. We live in a sophisticated culture where things like this and terms like this, many people think are beneath them. I heard a great message this morning, and it was nothing at all bashing education. Education is a great thing. But the pastor went on to say that uh, education alone by itself will not civilize someone. You can be educated and be an educated barbarian. He said, remember, 40% of Hitler's hitmen and all the people, his cronies that were doing all that diabolical work, they were all very sophisticated. They all had PhDs. They were very educated. So you need the Holy Spirit. <laughs> and that's wrong education. So education by itself will not reform a person. It will just make you educated in certain information. But you need the inward working of the Holy Spirit to to manifest His presence in your life and do a supernatural work within you and me. Going back to this picture of, 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 of human beings, of us being uh, resembling sheep in certain uh, instances, I read an article, a farming article recently, and um, this little excerpt is from an article called Farming Base, and it's speaking of actual sheep. And this is someone who is well-versed in uh, the field of farming and agriculture and dealing with livestock. And the person goes on to say, can sheep live without a shepherd? This is the question that they pose. Can a sheep actually live without a shepherd? Now, okay, yes, we know that a sheep can live without a shepherd, but, but a healthy life, uh, a life that's going to be geared towards a direction of, of growth and, and, and live a fruitful life. And the answer is no. Sheep cannot live without the shepherd. They are entirely dependent on the shepherd for everything. They require consistent care and watching over. So leaving them unattended can put them at risk and greatly endanger their lives. So let's flip back to what the Bible says. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 6, it says, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of all of us. So what is this talking about? This is talking about every single one of us. Now this is not, I'm not sharing this to badger you or to beat you up. This is not what this is about. This is us having a, a clear perspective, an understanding of where humanity is at naturally because of the fall, because of sin. The Bible says that we, like sheep, have gone astray. 
We turn to our own way. Think, think about it. Right? Think about it in your own mind. I know you can think of one person, maybe it's even yourself, where it's like the conversation comes up about an Almighty God, and, and 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 someone's response, or maybe your response is, "I can forge my own road. I, I am spiritual. I can have my own relationship with God my own way. Like Jesus may be cool for you, but but what about all this and that? Or what about if I don't even believe in a God?" And then this verse goes on to say, And the Lord, God Almighty, the the creator of all things, Adonai, he he laid upon him the iniquity of all of us. Who is him? He's speaking of his son Jesus. He laid upon the iniquity of us upon his son so that there would be redemption, so there could be forgiveness for trespasses, past, present, and future. Again, we live in such a sophisticated time where it seems primitive to some people to say, I need forgiveness. I need eternal forgiveness. That, that, that I, I, can't, I can't manifest these things in and of myself and be right before God. But the reality is, no one can. No amount of money, no amount of human intellect, no amount of worldly wisdom will ever make you or me right before a holy God except by receiving the gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. You see, even in our best efforts, with our best of intentions, we are wayward. And I won't get into it a lot because I don't want my coming back to my life, going back to my life. But but I have the best of intentions and things I try to do for my wife and with my wife. And many times, even with the best of intentions, sometimes something flares up. And then there's some kind of issue. <laughs> and I'm not saying that she's the one bickering, but there's some kind of bickering or some kind of argument. And then, and then, and then I go and seek the Lord, and I'm like, man, Lord, why? What, what is going on here? You know my heart. I've said it many a times. Lord, you know that I meant nothing but the best. But yet, even in that, with the best of intentions, it was so wayward. Again, going our own way and doing our own thing. That's the world right now. I mean, that's always been the world. But that, that's being so publicized in every area of media. Do you. Do your own thing. Everybody has this entitlement to where if we disagree with something, all of a sudden, now we're being attacked. And we're, 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 not, um, we're, not, we're not being, uh, you know, Grateful for other people, which is entirely bogus in my personal opinion, but that's the climate of the culture we live in today. You see, we need the Good Shepherd, who is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One, that's what Messiah means, Anointed One, to guide and protect us through this life. Just look back. Those of you that are walking with the Lord, think back to when you didn't walk with Christ and when, when you didn't call Christ your King. How did that work out for you? How were things? And look at your life now, even in your worst of days, when you call Him King and when you call Him Lord, does He not provide for you? Does He not give you all of what you need, not what you want, what you need? I'm funny story I said. This morning, I, I typically wake up at 5 in the morning. I got up my normal routine. I, you know, whatever, in the bathroom, stay when I'm listening to some messages, I'm hearing some worship music. All right, it's time to get in the shower. I get in the shower, I'm doing my thing, and midway through the shower, and uh, all of a sudden the water goes out. I'm like, what? 
Lord, what's going on? And uh, it, it, it's just funny because, you know, at first it's like, so, grumbling. Ah! My son's like, why did you yell? I said, because the water went out, man. I got soap suds everywhere. I got conditioner in my beard. I said, I'm a hot mess. And the water went out, man. But again, praise God, we got all kind of bottles of, bottles of water. <laughs> oh, my wife's like, Caleb, go out there and get a bunch of bottles of water. And like, good thing, like, you know, whatever, I, I, I went cold to wake me up, so I'm used to that. And Veronica's over here. I mean, we must have went through like, going bottles of water, you know? But again, it's a silly story, but even in that, the Lord provides, and the Lord reminded me. And many times it's just, it is what it is, but I, I thank the Lord every day when I do take a shower. I'm like, Lord, thank you for this water. Thank you that I'm able to clean my body. Thank you that I'm able to get washed up. I know that there's many people in the world that they travel 30, 30 miles to go to a well where, where the water they get has, you know, it, it's not good. It's unhealthy, and it makes them sick. And yet, and yet we have all these provisions. So I share that silly story just to, again, point out this fact that it is the Lord Jesus Christ who protects us and guides us and provides for us everything we need in every second of the way, even in something as silly as the water going out and we need to get things out. You see, this is the thing, church. We have to come to a place, and if we've already come to this place, we need to stay in the place where we humbly receive His gift of salvation. I love how we're, we're talking earlier and, and, and Mark said, you know, I'm being saved every day. And I understand what he meant by that. I'm being sanctified every day. The sanctifying work of God is going on within your life every moment of your existence, the moment you accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. It's an ongoing thing. And that's what we talk about. The cross can never get old. The cross needs to be something, the more and more we understand what's been done for us, the deeper our adoration and, 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 and honor and praise for the Lord is and should be. And we should be just continually living a life of gratitude, where that gratitude spills over uh, out of our life into other people. That's why the Lord puts people in our sphere of influence, so that how you've been raised up and how you've been taught and the things that you have learned in the Lord, you will give an opportunity for the righteous to speak. So you'll be able to speak life. You'll be able to speak truth. You'll be able to speak love into other people's lives. Even if it's something maybe they don't want to hear. Because right? sometimes it's not all you know cute and buddy. Sometimes it's a, it's a word of rebuke. And, 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 and if you're if you're humble in the Lord, you'll, you'll receive it. Because the Lord is clear that all things work together for those who love Christ Jesus and are called according to His will and His purposes. So that means that even the rebuke you get from somebody, <laughs> somebody may be like, hey man, this is what's going on. And are you going to be willing to receive that in love, or are you going to be bitter? You see, because anger, I believe, is one of those sins that are is very deceiving because we can stew in our anger and we can almost revel in it. Well, I remember past hurts. And I remember this. And I remember that. And we hold on to it. You don't want to hold on to those things. You want to give it to God. You want to humble yourself before the Lord and ask Him to create in you a clean heart so that you can move forward. Amen? We have several main points this morning. And the first one is this. 
Not rocket science, but I'll share it for the sake of fairness and symmetry. <laughs> seek the Lord while he may be found. Simply put, seek him while he is able to be received. You see, that must mean that there's going to come a time where people are going to seek for the Lord and he's not going to be found. Now, this is not some where's Waldo. Like, Lord, where are you at? <laughs> You're hiding. He's in clear sight. The Bible is clear that, that all of his invisible attributes are clearly revealed through his creation. But is humanity seeking him? Or are we seeking stuff? Or are we seeking people? Or are we seeking experiences? Many times we find ourselves in those categories where it's like we're just seeking an experience. You see, God wants so much more with you and me than just some experience. That's why I love the fact that we serve the Lord Jesus Christ out of obedience, not out of emotion. You know, I can have my hands up and have an emotional time when the music's playing, but what's going on when I'm at home by myself and the door's closed? What's really going on, right? Am I seeking the Lord then? Am I having fellowship with Him in, in, in the moments where nobody's around? And, and, and that's, what, that's what we want to do. We want to seek the Lord while He may be found. You see, because every person, you and I, we all have a certain window of opportunity to seek out Jesus Christ and receive Him as Savior and Lord. Meaning, we only have a certain season of life. Right? You're born on such and such date, the inevitability that you and I are going to die is one in one. <laughs> Everyone's going to pass, unless the Lord comes back first. But either way, we are all going to, you know, have to cross through that chasm into eternal life. When someone dies, the reality is it's too late. Think of uh, the rich man. The rich man that, that constantly saw uh, this beggar at his, at his doorstep and always just walked by him, never paid him any mind, and that, that rich man died. And what did that rich man do? He had regret when he was separated from the Lord and he was in hell. And he tried to please saying, send, send someone back. But no, there's a great chasm between uh, us and them, and, and, and they have the, the old prophets. They won't listen to them. They're not going to listen to somebody coming back from the dead. We have the account of Jesus Christ through the canon of Scripture, through the Holy Bible. So for us, we as well have no excuse to speak them. But in all actuality, we know that the Bible is clear it's very interesting because this, this is where we have to understand context, right? The scripture that we're focusing on today says, Seek him while he may be found. But scripture also says that no one seeks after God. Romans chapter 3 verse 11 says, No one understands and no one seeks for God. That's very interesting. You see, so this is why the Lord woos us to himself. The Bible says he is the author and finisher of our faith. We are saved by grace through faith, not about works so no one can boast. This is all about the work that he's doing in your life and in my life because, again, he desires fellowship. He desires relationship with us. And so he is drawing you out of the world to himself to separate you from the world 
so that you are now holy and righteous. Use that big word, imputed. It just means it's, it's put upon you. We, we don't have righteousness of our own, but He imputes, He puts on us the righteousness of His Son, Jesus Christ, so now we are in right standing with Him. You see, because of our wayward, sinful nature, we all go astray living life the way we see fit. Not wanting God to govern us, but instead we want to govern our own affairs. That's how we are before Christ comes in and does a work within us. Just think about it. I don't have to point it out. You guys know how you lived before you came to the Lord. Kind of do your own thing. I'm my own boss. I make up my own schedule. I do my own routine. I do what I like. That's how the world lives. But again, this is why Yahweh has to literally pursue us and draw us to Himself. So when we read, seek the Lord while He may be found, it means if you sense that the Lord is tugging on your heart to repent and come to Him, if you sense the Lord knocking at the door of your heart, because He's a gentleman. He's not going to barge in. He's not like, uh, what is this, uh, the FCA. He's not going to come in with guns blazing, but He's going to knock gently. It's in the stillness. It's not in the earthquake. It's in the stillness of things that the Lord speaks most of. You see, so for you and I, we have to learn to be still and know that He is God. So many of us are so busy, and we're doing so much, and there's so much outside influences from just life in general. Maybe it's not even negative things, it's just the stresses of normal life. But things are so erratic around us that we have a hard time hearing from the Lord. We're commanded to be still. And know that he's God. That's something that the Lord is challenging me on. Is to carve out time. Yeah, I do a whole lot of praying. I do a whole lot of studying. But he says to me, and not an audible voice, he impresses it upon my heart. He thinks, be still. Separate. <laughs> you know, from your wife, from your kids. Carve out that time. I don't care if you got to get up earlier, but, but find some time to just sit before me and be still. I guarantee you, if you begin to do this, and if this is a this is a, a habit that you've already done, you can attest to the fact that you can be in a messed up, crummy mood, or your circumstances can be far from flattering, and if you sit still before the Lord, your whole perspective will change. You will have a heart of gratitude. You will find yourself praising God in the midst of turmoil, because you're Training, once again, training yourself in the things of God. This is something that every Christian is responsible for. And I know we're all at different parts and walks in our life in spiritually, and, and, and we're all at a different maturity level. God doesn't want us, we're not going to be perfect, but He expects growth. And you and I should expect growth from ourselves as well. This is why it's so important to get alongside other believers that can help you, that can encourage you, that can hold you accountable. But at the end of the day, we have to be willing to hold ourselves accountable before the Lord because we are indeed held accountable whether we want to admit it or not. You see, many people, unfortunately, believe that they can afford to put off responding to Jesus. I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to do it. <laughs> I'm not going to do it right now. <laughs> I'm not ready. You're, you're telling me to stop all this? <laughs> I'm not ready, Lord. 
But the reality is people can't afford not to respond to the call upon their lives. Because once again, the scripture is clear that we must seek the Lord while he may be found. How sad would it be if we kept putting off and putting off and putting off the call upon our lives, and then all of a sudden, now, sometime in the future, we, we want to respond to the call of Jesus saying, come to me, and he's not found. Oh, that's horrible. You know, I, I, I had times where, you know, we're, we're getting ready in the morning, and, you know, whatever, it's just, I'm running through stuff and trying to get stuff together, and, and my son just jokes, so he's always playing games, and he likes to hide. And there's been times, <laughs> I'm like, I don't know where my wife was, she was doing something, my daughter must have been in bed, and she had so many covers on her, you know, it just looks like covers, and I couldn't find my son, and I'm like, Lord, did you come? <laughs> did the rapture come? And I got left. I mean, that's just where our minds go, right? I just, whatever, and I'm in my right mind in that moment, and I'm, I start panicking. But, the, but, that's, but that's what I'm saying. It sounds funny and it's silly, but that's the whole thing is that we don't want to be those people that, you know, like, like the virgins without the oil in their lamp. And then it's time to it's time to go into the wedding feast, and they're like, uh oh, I don't I don't have the oil, and they try to get oil, and it's like, no, oh, it's too late. We don't want that door to close on us. Okay? So so seek the Lord while He may be found. The second main point is this: for the repented sinner, there is compassion and an abundant pardon in Christ Jesus. You see, the whole reason why Jesus came to earth to lay down his life and suffer all the horrible, horrendous things that he uh, did suffer, suffering the most horrific death in, in human history, and then resurrecting and ascending back to heaven was to pardon sinners. He did it to forgive. He was mocked while he hung upon the tree. They said, well, if you're if king, well, they wouldn't even say king of the Jews, but they said, if you're God, come down from the tree. Come down off that cross. You can't even save yourself, and you're saying you, you come to redeem Israel. But they, they didn't understand. They were looking through a fleshly lens. They didn't see the spiritual component of what Jesus was doing. He literally bought us back from eternal death. Because when you go back to the Old Testament, the only way there could be forgiveness was there had to be a perfect animal that was sacrificed and blood had to be shed. Blood had to be spilled because there is life in the blood. That's why you're told not to drink blood, not to drink, you know, not, although I, we, we won't get into that. But um, you can look in Leviticus and all, all of that in the Old Testament if you want to learn more about that. Educate yourself. But that's the reason why Jesus came. That's why he is the Lamb of God. That's why he is the sacrificial Lamb of God. So many times in the book of Revelation, he's referred to as the Lamb of God because he is the one that takes away the sins of the world. For any person that would run to him and cling to him and ask to be forgiven, your sins are pardoned past, present, and future. Isn't that amazing? I can't even wrap my mind around that. But sins that I haven't even committed, the Lord is like, you're all good. <laughs> I'm choosing not to, not to, not to, not to come down on you. I'm choosing not to view those. They're as far away as the east is from the west. He's been pardoned. That's a great thing for you and I. You see, we must come to the point in our lives where we truly understand that we are broken from within, and this takes a very 
honest level of humility to just admit, and I'm broken. I'm broken. And I can't fix myself. Again, we live in a culture where we want to fix everything. We want to have the answer to every problem. We want to solve every single thing. We can solve many exterior things, but what's inside, what's in the depth of who we are, we, we can't fix that with pop psychology or with anything else, like I alluded to earlier. Education and all that. Education is a good thing. But without the revelation of who God truly is, that's not going to fix us. Apart from Jesus Christ being our King, the reality is we just don't function properly. I was, I was, I was, I was reminded that as great a man as Moses was, as great a servant as Moses was, he had an Achilles heel, and it was his anger. It was his anger. And it wasn't when he was 120 years old and he was an old man. Because some people try to, well, he was old. And that's why he struck the rock. Twice. He didn't strike it just one time. God said, speak, my son. He struck it. Have you ever struck something? Have you ever struck something twice? Man, that's really intentional when you strike something twice. But think about Moses' life. He saw the, the Egyptian slave driver mistreating one of the Israelites. What did he do? He looked to the right, he looked to the left, and he took him out. That's anger for you, man. That's anger. Uh, he, can, he comes down off the mountaintop. He sees him worshiping the golden calf. He just has these documents that are that prized possessions. You've got the law of God written on these stones. And what does he do? He shatters. He shatters the stones. Anger. Anger. That's what I'm talking about. So, but aren't you glad that, that the Bible doesn't wrap up the, the, the prophets of old and cellophane and toss them up and they're just looking perfect and pretty? And then go be like them. Really? I, I like that the, 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 word, the word is so raw. And the Lord is so real. And look at what the Bible says about David. David is a man after God's very own heart, is what the Bible says. And we know stuff that David got caught up in. So that should be an encouragement to me and you. And it's like, okay, Lord, you're merciful, you're graceful, you can get through these things. You'll use us. <laughs> you'll use us despite of our wayward ways, and you'll even clean us up and make us right before you. And you call us. The righteousness, the righteousness of Christ has been given to us, to Him. It's a beautiful thing. The revelation of this under, undying excuse me, truth is essential to living a victorious life in Christ. The fact that apart from Christ, we don't, we don't function properly. That's going to make you cling to Him all the more. Because you're like, I don't, I don't think right without Him. It's already bad enough if you're clinging to Christ, you're going to get attacked mentally. Because the battlefield is in the mind. And all kind of thoughts that are not even maybe yours. <laughs> some of them are. Some of them aren't. You're already going to get bombarded. Could you even imagine walking without the Lord and, 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 and dealing with all the crazy thoughts that can come into your mind or being exposed to the things we're exposed to on a daily basis? How do people cope? Maybe it's me and I'm tripping, but that's how I that's how I understand why all these crazy things go on in the world. And you see killings and shootings and rapings and, and wild stuff, people doing just horrendous things. And we're like, oh, my 
but it's probably because they're not walking with the Lord. So their minds are tore up. <laughs> and you and I are in this fight, in this battle, and we're supposed to make sure that we are training ourselves in such a way that we're able to endure the difficulties of life and walk through this thing unscathed in the sense of we're, we're, we're protected and guarded and our mind is sober and our mind is diligent and our mind is sound. This is the only road that leads to us becoming completely whole. Once we truly accept the conviction being revealed to us, we can then respond correctly and receive the love, the mercy, the grace that we so desperately need. You see, Jesus is overflowing with compassion and forgiveness for the repentant sinner. Did you get that? He's overflowing with compassion and forgiveness for you and I. He just can't wait to forgive you and I. The whole thing is, are we willing to go to Him and ask for forgiveness? You see, His judgment is for those who blaspheme the Holy Ghost and refuse His gift of salvation and eternal life in Him alone. John chapter 3, verses 17 and 18 tell us, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. It's a childlike faith. This is my daughter believes that I'm a trigger right. This is my son believes that I have his best intentions in mind. They have faith to believe that I'm going to do the right thing and I'm going to be a good example and I'm going to be a good father that's going to care for them physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. That same kind of faith that a child has towards their grandparents that they love dearly. They just view that as grandparents. If you grandchildren just run into your arms, right? They're not, they're not a, usually, <laughs> they're, they're, not a, they're not apprehensive. It's that same childlike faith that you and I have to have when it comes to the Lord. We need to cast our faith upon Him and, and not come with preconceived ideas and notions and just bear all to Him because that's what He wants. That's relationship is bearing all and being raw and real, not covering up with the fig leaves like Adam and Eve did. The third main point is this. The Lord's ways are higher than ours. Here the Lord cries out to Israel to return to him and reminds them that only he can supply what they need. Again, think of it like this. A loving parent does things for their child that the children don't understand. My wife was explaining this to the kids last night. She was having a conniption fit. Like, you need to eat that. It's healthy for you. It's good for you. It's going to make you strong. My daughter not wanting to comply. But the reality is, she's teaching her that because it's important. At, at her age, at three years old, she doesn't understand that. But, you know, in the long run, she's going to be grateful that she had a mother that didn't say just go with a bunch of ho-hos, it's all good. Have the rain pop, have the ho-hos, have some funnings, you know, it doesn't matter, drink the Kool-Aid, drink the Coca-Cola. It's like, okay, well, man, Mom, you're setting me up for disaster here. <laughs> Likewise, the Lord loves, guides, protects, and provides for us in ways we don't understand. His thoughts are higher than ours. And as an infinite creator, as the, excuse me, singular, the infinite creator, with infinite wisdom, 
God knows and understands things that we cannot comprehend. And that's okay. I think sometimes people get offended because we want to know. We want to be in the know. But it's like, man, hey, God is far, far greater than what we are. Don't be offended by the fact that you don't understand that I don't understand some mysteries uh, of Him, even in the Word. If there's something I don't understand, I'm going to be honest with you and just say, I don't know. Maybe you know and you can help me. I don't have this whole thing figured out. You know, I'm working at this one day at a time, just like you. But you see, we are wise when we bow to that knowledge rather than demand that He do things our way. Instead of saying, Lord, you've got to do this. It's better off, it's wise to say, Lord, I don't understand it, but I'm submitting to your will and your authority and may your will be done. Well, that's how we're supposed to pray. We're not supposed to pray, I'm going to pull my way to you, Lord, and just make this happen. It's like, Lord, I want X, Y, and Z to happen, but your will be done, not mine. <laughs> but Jesus did. Christ in his, in, his, in his humanity didn't want to go through all the surging and, and the physical torment and, and most, most importantly the, the, the supernatural, the spiritual torment of being separated from his father. That's why he was in Gethsemane and it, it, was such a, it was such a horrendous thing for him. But he said, nevertheless, not my will be done but yours. Because again, God's ways are possible all. We live in a material world. So our natural focus is to is focus on our physical needs. But you see, when our thoughts are centered on mundane matters, we miss what God wants to show us. Again, I can't explain it, but this is the truth. He lives outside of space and time. You try to wrap your mind around that, you're going to get frustrated. You can't. It's like trying to conceive eternity. His thoughts are always on the big picture. Our thoughts tend to be on the earthly. His are heavenly. Our thoughts are limited. He has an unlimited supply of wisdom and knowledge and an unsearchable aura about himself. Many times we simply don't understand how something good can come out of a tragedy. But again, this is God working far beyond our ways. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to His purpose. And I can, I, I can, I can attest to that. We were at the baseball field yesterday. We saw boys and men and his wife. We saw Tyler. You know, Tyler's still in the wheelchair. But when you look at Tyler, that man, that man's alive. He's full of life. I don't see him as saying, woe is me. He's had his balcona. You know, he, he, he's chilling. He, he's enjoying the sun. He's all tatted up. He's got tatted on his neck and his eye. I mean, he's living his life, serving the Lord. I don't, I don't see that man having a pity party because it was unfair that he went through what he went through. Again, all things work together for those who love Christ and are called according to His purposes. Don't forget that, church, when you're going through a difficult time in life. Understand that the Lord is going to work with you. Amen? All right, let's look at 5, uh, 6, and 7. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our Lord, for he will abundantly pardon. Again, we see this phrase, Seek the Lord while he may be found. The prophet here impresses a sense of urgency. 
God's people. It's urgent. It's an urgent matter. It's, it's, it's of the utmost importance. This is the time. God can be found now. Seek Him now. But again, like I said, it's not like a game of hide and seek. It's not, well, where, uh, where's Waldo? It isn't that God is hidden and can only be found now. It's that He can only be found when your heart and my heart are inclined to look to Him. And that inclination is actually a gift from God. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy that we can't even do this in and of ourselves. It's a gift from the Lord that He even puts it upon your heart to seek Him. <laughs> if you're here, you did not really come here of your own volition. You came here because He drew you to Himself. Not to the name of this church, not to me, not to a man. You came because the Holy Spirit has something for you to impart to you. He draws you to Himself. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33 says, Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. <laughs> I love that. I love that. And, 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 and it's not even about... See, sometimes we misconstrue that. It's like, oh, if I honor God, He's going to give me stuff. <laughs> he's going to give me all kind of stuff. Now, don't get me wrong. Abram was blessed. This is before he was Abram. He was blessed. This man was wealthy. Beyond rich, he was wealthy. God enjoys giving lavish gifts to his children. But he, he gives it in such a way that he gives it, if it's his will to give it to someone, because their mind and their heart is right and they're anchored in Christ and not the stuff. He knows that he can trust them to not worship the stuff and not look to the stuff to fulfill their hearts because what's being fulfilled in them is him. It's about seeking him. When we seek him first, everything else works out. When we leave Jesus out of the equation and we go about trying to do our life, it's always a train wreck. But when we seek the Lord on the matter for everything, Right? I know we need all the things that you know are set up in our society. I get it. But seek God first in all the matters. Pray about it before you go do X, Y, and Z. You fill in the blank. But pray about it first. You see, to seek God's kingdom and His righteousness first means to live in ongoing repentance from sin and to lead the kind of sincere, from the heart, devoted to God, lifestyle to Jesus. That's what it means. To walk in continual repentance. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-time thing to say, I worship and I praise you. Praise should be continually upon our lips and uttering out of our inner heart, our main person, the inner, the inner part, the inner workings of our lives. It should be revolving around that. And it's not a fanatical thing. Please don't get it twisted. I'm not talking about being a fanatic, and I'm not talking about being legalistic. These are things. If somebody was forgiven for a debt, they had a trillion-dollar debt, and it was forgiven, what do you think the person that was forgiven of the trillion-dollar debt would do for the person that paid that trillion dollars? They would forever be close to them if they, even, if they knew what, what, what it was worth. And so that's the same thing in the spirit. You and I have been redeemed from hell. We've been redeemed from eternal death. We have eternal life now into eternity. <laughs> so, for that, 
It's like, I bow down to you, Lord, alone. Because you are worthy. You have done what no one else could do. In response to us seeking first the kingdom of heaven, God will make provisions for whatever it is we truly need in order to accomplish His will. Notice it's what we truly need, not what we truly want. There's all kinds of things I truly want, <laughs> but that doesn't necessarily mean that God's going to give me what I want. He's going to give me what I need. And actually, He turns our desires into what would be honoring Him. That's that whole thing. He'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, again, I've said it many times. It doesn't mean you're going to get a Maserati because you desire a Maserati. But it's like, Lord, help me to love my life like Christ knows the truth. It's going to be painstaking, and it may not happen all that, well, it's not going to happen all that long, but he's going to help you and give you a desire to love your life like Christ knows the truth. He's going to give you the desire to honor him with the first fruits of your time, effort, energy, finances, all those things, because those are things that will honor him, and you'll begin to bubble up with this love for people. You'll hang out with people that you would have never thought you would ever hang out with. Trust me, I hang out with people that I would have never hung out with when I was in the world. First of all, I wouldn't hang out with older people. Now I hang out with older people. You know, I know I'm getting looking a little bit older, but I hang out with older men now. And that's, a, that's okay. That's cool. I'm okay with that. I don't hang around with people that sag their pants and beat out 15s out their trunk anymore and smoke marijuana and act a fool. I don't. Because the Lord is going to work in my life where that's not, that's not, that I don't identify with that anymore. And I'm sure you can say the same for yourself, maybe not in that context, but you don't hang around people that you used to hang out with because now you're walking with the Lord. The application is this. We must receive the gift and make the most of it while we have it. Make the most of it, church. Because even the rest of today is not promised. I just got a text from one of my older brothers in Christ, and one of the pastors that he served with, he was at the pulpit, and he had a seizure and fell to the ground. And now he's in the hospital, and they found a tumor in his head. This, that's like me doing that right now. That happened to this, this brother in Christ. That's what I'm talking about. The rest of today is not promised. So we can't go around thinking we just got time. That's it. It goes back to seek the Lord while He may be found. Not seeking and failing to call upon Him while He is near means we will not receive the blessings He promises. The Bible is clear. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 says, For He says, In a favorable time I listened to you, and in a, in a day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Tomorrow may not come. Right now is all you and I got. He says, it's not wise for us to worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has its own worries, has its own problems. I, okay, let me, let me explain this so my words don't get misconstrued. I'm not trying to say don't plan. I'm, I'm not saying don't be wise and try to, you know, work out things. What I'm saying is don't obsess about it. You can't be losing sleep over what's not here. Deal with what's right in front of you, and that's where that Lord willing, 
Lord willing, we'll do this, we'll do that tomorrow. That's the wise way to go about it. Not, 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 not flipping out and trying to make all these things, having this whole NASA board of what the next year and a half is going to look like. That's why when people ask me, what are we going to? I don't know because I'm going day by day with the Lord. This whole Obadiah thing, I thought it was going to be Jeremiah. Then I thought it was going to be Joel. Then it was like, it's going to be Obadiah. That's <laughs> what it is. I can't tell you because i got to go day by day with what the Lord is showing me. This is not a machine. This is, this is organic. This is not a business. This is the living church of God. Ephesians chapter 5 verse 16 says, Make the best usage of the time because the days are evil. That's self-explanatory. You can just look around. Look around you in society. See what's going on with our country and the things that are happening on a day-to-day basis. Redeem the time. Redeem those times because these days are evil. We can't just keep putting off our relationship with Jesus for another day. This isn't some New Year's resolution that we can just put on the back burner until we happen to get around to it. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to lose this. <laughs> I'm going to do X, Y, and Z. It's like, no. <laughs> we need to seek Him now. And it goes on to say, let the wicked forsake His way. All throughout the scriptures, Jesus himself and even the major and minor prophets, they all impress the need for repentance among God's people. I know that that's not typically a popular thing in some of the mainline churches nowadays. Maybe I could be wrong. Hopefully they're all preaching this, and it's all about repentance, that this is a vital pillar in, in, in the church. But repentance is something that we should practice. This is something that should be impressed upon our hearts. And again, it's not a legalistic thing. It's a, I want to be right before you. That's what David said. He said, create in me a clean heart. Renew in me a right spirit. Help me to be right before you. Help me to be blameless. Take control of my thoughts and my mind so that everything I do could be edifying to myself and glorifying to you, O Lord. You see, repentance is simply turning around the other way. Changing our mindset from one way to another. Turning from our own way and turning to God's way, saying, your way's better. And I know it's a challenge, but we've got to start by admitting, Lord, I need help. Help me to want to do the things that you want me to do. Help me to not have a desire to go to these places and hang out with those people, but have me to have a desire to glorify you. That's what we need. Having a change of mind about how we're living. Simply, this is what it means to return to the Lord. And we can never walk in God's way until we forsake our own way. You see, many times, sometimes we want to straddle the sin. And we want to be with God over here, and then we want to be with the world over here. That just causes so much heartache, you know? I mean, I'm not saying you can't enjoy things in life that are well within reason, that are line, that line up with Scripture. You can. But you cannot straddle and be one fit in the world and one fit in the church. It doesn't work. You're going to find yourself agonizing because you're trying to serve two masters and you can't. You have to pick one or the other. Every, every true believer goes through that. And there's a crossway. You have to choose. You have to choose. You see, the, Lord, the Lord's restoration works in and through our repentance. This is something, again, we need to do daily. We, may, we will fall short, either in thought, action, and deed. We must be honest with ourselves and cry out for help when we need it. Here's why. Because wickedness may be demonstrated by our actions, our ways, but unrighteousness seems to 
come through our thoughts. Many times we're consistently bombarded with negative thoughts about ourselves, about the world, about where we live, and we must learn to filter every thought through God's Word or else we will find ourselves living in constant defeat. I know people struggle with their thoughts. I struggle with my thoughts. I was sharing earlier this morning. The last couple weeks, that's where the welfare has been. I've been getting hit so much in my thought life. And it's like, I'm like, Lord, help me get this out of my mind. I'm over here trying to pray, and I'm seeing demonic images while I'm praying. And I'm like, Lord, why is this happening? I don't, I don't want to see that. I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not going there. Why, why am I being attacked in such a way? But section Corinthians chapter 5, uh, chapter 10, verse 5 tells us, We destroy every argument, or we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. So first of all, we have to be on a wavelength that we're even able to discern an unseen thought from a holy thought. If we're not even there, then we're just going to be a hot mess. But when you're there and you're able to discern the truth, trust me, you're going to get attacked. And when you get attacked, know what to do. Pray. Pray. Pray without ceasing. That's why understanding Scripture, the power of Scripture, memorizing Scripture, something as simple as perfect love casts out all fear. That's why I, I love what Paul Stanley said. He said, there can be a candle in a dark room, and that one candle will light up that whole dark room. You have the light of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. The physical body is the vessel, is the temple of God, and the Holy Spirit living in you, you have the light of Christ living in you. So you have the authority through Christ's power to expel whatever darkness is messing with you. But if we're not aware of what power we have in us, then we're not really going to be pulling the trigger on these things and we're going to be struggling more than we need to. Every time I get hit with something, I'm automatically going to the Word because that's the only thing that will expel that unclean thought or whatever is trying to oppress me. That's what happens. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God and what is good and acceptable and perfect. That's crazy because I didn't even know that that was going to come out like that. Obviously, it's the Word of God, but what the Lord just expressed to me that talks about that whole world. It's just, you know, it, 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 it's through not being conformed. Now, if, if we're lining ourselves up with the things of the world that are unclean, right, the things that are not right, then it's no wonder why we're having these problems. But if you if you built a wall and say, I'm insulating, my, and I'm not saying being in a corner by yourself and never interacting with people, what I'm saying is be sensible, and certain things you know aren't right, don't engage in those things. Because then your mind is being transformed by the renewing of it because you're putting yourself in the presence of God, you're putting yourself in the Word, and now you're able to test and discern. You're like, okay, that's unclean. I'm not, I'm not identifying, I'm not coming into agreement with that. This is right, I'm staying with the right. And that's what's good and acceptable and perfect to God. He says, and he will have mercy upon him, the person that repents, the person that cries out to him, will pardon him. What a glorious promise. When we turn to the Lord, he will have mercy upon us. In fact, he will abundantly pardon us. The problem is never that we, it, it, the problem is never that we turn to the Lord and find that he rejects us. The problem is that we fail to return to the Lord. An ongoing thing, so it's constant. An example is this. 
The truth is, if you knew how many times I failed, you would want me to be your pastor. I'm just being honest with you. That's just the reality. As much as I mess up, I mean, even my house, my house is, I'm not saying my house is not in order, but, you know, my house is not, it's not pristine. You know, there's toys everywhere, you know, dirty socks over here, this and now. I'm like, you know, and, and it's not to say that my wife doesn't do an excellent job. I mean, we've got two young kids, got a lot going on. That's not an excuse. I'm just saying, if you knew how much I failed, you would not want me to be your pastor. But praise God that somehow, some way, I keep returning back to Jesus. No matter what goes on, I keep running back to Him. And I keep asking Him to help me. I keep asking Him to clarify, show me. Show me where I'm wrong. Show me where I'm failing. Show me where I need to grow. Lord, have mercy on me. Have compassion on me. Help me to live an upright life before you and before men. Asking His forgiveness and mercy, and He never fails to pick me up and cleanse me. And I know the same can be said about you. All right. We've got two more verses. We'll wrap this up. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay. This is uh, fantastic. <laughs> my thoughts are not your thoughts. Simply put, he doesn't think the way we think. He doesn't think the way we think. You see, we get into a lot of trouble when we expect that he should think as we do. You see, that's the whole thing about training again. I know in my life personally, I have to train myself to think positively. Thinking negatively just comes. The negativity is just on autopilot. Hey, it just comes in. It's just like butter, so smooth. Negative thoughts all day long about myself, about other people, about the world, about the situation. But it takes training to think in a mindset where it's like, love your enemy. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love your enemy. Pray for those who persecute you. What? You said, pray for those, man. Pray for the people. Love on the people. Man, they, 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 they slap one cheek, give them the other. Not, I'm going to get back at them. I'm going to dig in my heels and I'm right. And I don't care what it takes. I don't care. That's not the way of the Lord. The way of the Lord is to humble ourselves before His mighty hand and at his appointed time, he will exalt you and I. You see, because we are made in his image, he does allow us to relate to his thoughts, but we could never master his thoughts. You see, he sees everything from the end to the beginning. And we, we, we typically see this moment to moment. That's kind of how we think. And I, I always like this analogy of the Thanksgiving Day parade, right? God's like, he's up, up in the helicopter and he sees all the floats before they ever hit whatever avenue that is, Fifth Avenue, I don't know where it is in New York, and he sees all the floats <laughs> before the beginning and the end, you know, and, and we're, we're like on the ground floor, we see Santa Claus or we see whatever, the, whoever it is, and we just see one float at a time, peanuts probably down, whatever it is, we see one at a time, he sees the whole picture, he has a panoramic view of everything going on. That's why when we're faced with challenging difficulties, even disastrous situations, we can easily fall into a tailspin because we only see what's right here. We're like, this tragedy. It's, and I'm not saying it's not, it, you shouldn't grieve over things that are difficult and hard. 
what I'm saying is that's kind of where we're at. Where God's like, he, he saw that, but he's going to see that. He sees the outcome. What good is going to come out of that tragedy that happened in your life? You see, the God who loves us, who created us, uses everything, bad and good, to mold us into the image of his son. Romans chapter 8, verse 28 tells us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. He goes on to say, nor are your ways my ways. God doesn't act the way we do. He does things his way, and his ways are not our ways. You see, we get into a lot of trouble when we expect that God should act the way we do. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, how far is the distance between God's thoughts and ours? Isn't it? <laughs> how far is the distance between His way and ours? It's the same. The distance, the distances are great as the heavens are higher than the earth. The application is this. Gloriously, in Jesus, heaven has come down to earth and we can have our thoughts and our ways transformed to be more like God's thoughts and ways. This is what it means to be conformed to the image of His Son. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. For those whom He foreknew, He also predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son in order that He might be the firstborn among many brothers. So I don't care if you're 29, 19, 49, 69. If you're seeking the Lord, and if you have a relationship with Him, it's because He predestined you to be conformed to His Son. And that's a beautiful thing. The distance will never be closed. God will always be God and we will always be human. But when our salvation is completed, meaning we're united with Him in glory in heaven, the distance will be as close as it possibly can be. This is an important point. This is important, very important. The difference and distance between God and man is revealed not to discourage us from seeking Him, but to keep us humble as we seek Him. Not to beat yourself up. It's not to, you know, not to make you feel bad. It's to keep us humble. Before we end, um, I-, I wanted to read some excerpts from an article by Victor David Hansen. He's a Protestant Christian. Uh, he's a well-respected historian and a classicist, a classicist from Stanford's Hoover Institution. Um, I really wanted to read this because I believe it drives home the point that God's ways are greater and higher than our ways. That even though the the things that are happening right now, many many of the things we can't make sense of in our our, our culture, in our society, that's what I'm speaking of right now, that's what this article is speaking of. God, Almighty, Yahweh, has a purpose and a plan for all that is going on within the earth to ultimately bring Him glory. So I'm not going to read this whole article because it's very wordy, and you know. So I'm going to have to pick these points, and, 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 and we'll go ahead and conclude after I wrap this up. But the, the title of this article is: If you really wanted to destroy the U.S. of A, do these ten things. It's crazy. Some of you probably have already read this. The first thing it says: You would surrender our prior energy independence. Reduce new gas and oil leases on federal lands to the lowest levels of any president in history. Cancel the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge oil and gas fields. Block pipelines like the Keystone XL oil pipeline. 
and the Constitution National Gas Line. Second, print trillions of dollars in new currency as the lockdowns end, demand rises, and consumers are already saturated with COVID-19 subsidies. Keep interest rates low, well below the rate of inflation as you print more money. Ensure that the passbook holders earn no interest at the very time prices skyrocket to the highest per annuum level in 40 years. Third, end America's physical boundaries. Render it an amorphous people and any anywhere safe. End any vestial difference between a citizen and a resident. Up to current nearly 50 million who were not born in the United States, 27% of California's population to 100 million and more by allowing 3 million illegal aliens to enter per year. Fourth, destroy the public trust in its elections. Uh, render election day irrelevant. Make proper uh, auditing of 110 million mail-in early ballots impossible. Normalize ballot harvesting and curing. Fifth, redefine crime as one rich man's crime, another poor man's necessity. Let those who need things exercise their entitlement to them. Rewrite or ignore laws to exempt the opposed to take it or do what they want as uh, uh, <clears throat> atonement for past uh, systemic racist, uh, racism and oppression. Six, junk the ossified idea of a melting pot and multicultural society united by common American values and ideals. Instead, identify individuals by their superficial appearance, seek to be a victim and monetize your claims against perceived victimizers. Call anyone who you resist a racist. Encourage each tribe defined by common race, ethnic, gender, or sexual orientation affinities to band together to oppose the monolithic white privilege majority. Encourage social and tribal tensions. Radically discriminate to end discrimination. That's a good one. Seven, render the United States just one of many nations abroad. Abandon Afghanistan in shame. Leave behind thousands of loyal Afghan allies, billions of dollars in equipment, a billion-dollar embassy, and the largest air base in Central Asia. Appease the theocracy to re-enter the Iran nuclear deal. Beg enemies like Venezuela, Russia, and Iran to pump more oil when it is politically expedient for us to have abundant supplies, oil that we have in abundance but we won't produce. Discourage friends like Guinea from producing more energy and cancel allies, energy projects like the East Med Pipeline. Trash, but then beg Saudi Arabia to pump more oil right before the midterms for domestic political advantage. Eight, neuter the First Amendment. Enlist Silicon Valley monopolies to silence unwanted free speech while using big tech mega profits to warp elections. Declare free expression hate speech. Criminalize contrarian social media. Nine, demonize half the country as semi-fascist, un-American, insurrectionist, and even political, polit potential domestic terrorists. Try to change inconvenient ancient rules. Seek to pack the court and the filibuster, jump the electoral college, and bring in two more states. Twice impeach a president who tried to stand in your way. Try him when he is a private citizen, raid his home, seek to in uh, in, in get a future rival 
of the current president. Ten, never mention the origins of the COVID-19 virus. Never blame China for the release of the SARS-CoV-2 virus. Exempt investigations of U.S. health officials who subsidize Chinese gain-of-function research. Ignore the Bill of Rights to mandate vaccines, mask wearing, and quarantine. We have done all the above. It would be hard to imagine any planned agenda to destroy America that would have been as injurious as what we have already suffered in the past few years. The book of Romans speaks of the Lord using a lump of clay to honor, while using the same lump of clay to create a vessel for dishonor. In his perfect will, he allows wickedness to run amok, and it's running amok right now. Some people have lost hope, thinking that God is not sovereign. Even though things are getting darker in this world and in our country, God Almighty is still on the throne. Amen. He uses all these things to bring about his final end goal for him to receive honor and glory and to bring about the new creation, the new heaven and the new earth. Until that time, let us not simply sit by idle, but may we be about our Father's business, witnessing and sharing the true gospel to all those in our spirit influence as we live for Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for, again, the revelation of your word. That's what, that's what supersedes everything. It's not, it's not about any political agenda. It's not about any political party. It's not about any one nation, really. It's about Israel. Other than that, Lord, we just want your Holy Spirit to be poured out upon all the nations of the world and that everyone would come to repentance that would really receive you. Father, please give us the wisdom to understand what it is you would have us to do. Give us the courage and give us the love and the compassion to see people as you see them. You say your ways are not our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, so when we find ourselves kind of backbiting or, or being like, no, I shouldn't talk to that person, no. Should we speak to you on the matter and say, Lord, do you want me to talk to that person? Do you want me to love on them? And Father, give us the ability to do it. Help us not to scurry away, but may we stand firm in the face of opposition. We're going to be approached for our faith. People are going to slander us. That's okay. Father, you're the one who holds all things in your hands. So we ask for your anointing. We ask for your protection. May your hand continue be upon us and help us to seek you above all. Father, we thank you and we love you. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.